Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome to our Astros postgame show, game one of the ALDS. It's a happy one as the Astros take this one 8-2. to two. Robert along with my co-host R.G. Seal and R.G. Jose Altuve put himself on quite a list. Uh, the guys with three home runs in a postseason game, uh, Babe Ruth, you might have heard of him, Reggie Jackson, George Brett. Uh, there was some guy named Albert Pujols that Astros fans might might have heard of. Uh, then a couple of guys maybe nobody's heard of, <laughs> Adam Kennedy or Bob Robertson, or you might not remember at least Adrian Beltre's on that list and Pablo Sandoval. But Kung Fu Panda. One hell of a list, though, isn't it? No, it's one great list. And, and look, I mean, this whole game, it's going to be remembered as the Jose Altuve three home run game, and especially two of those home runs coming off of Chris Sale. It's it's going to make those MVP voters who sent in their vote for Aaron Judge think, hmm, maybe just rethink that one a little bit. But, you know, we know that that's only for the regular season. And Jose Altuve may or may not win the MVP, but he was definitely the MVP of the first game of the postseason. And that's what's most important. Well, one of the quotes from uh, Justin Verlander about Altuve's three home runs was, the last time I've seen three home runs in a game was Pablo Sandoval. And I gave up two of them. So I'm glad there's someone new that's done that. Uh, Verlander, uh, he, he was okay. He wasn't the Verlander that we've seen over the last month. Any concern from what you saw from him? Do you think it was just a little bit of rust? Because this is the first time that he's had off a few extra days in a while. No, I wouldn't really attribute it to that. He was just pitching... Come on, look at his statistics coming into this game. Those five starts that he made, you know, what did he have? An under one ERA. I'd have to go back and look at his finishing statistics for the Astros and just was so dominant. He had the one hitter out in Anaheim and, you know, he still pitches six innings uh, and gives up two earned runs and has, uh, what, 99 pitches, I think, at the end of the day. So he can come back again on, on regular rest. I, I, I really thought that you know his fastball there he did have the velocity on it and he was getting his slider but you know he just had some control problems at time maybe he was too pumped up Uh, maybe there was a long rest in between and you have to credit some of those Red Sox hitters because remember in that first inning it could have been a really quick inning and that Andrew Benatende what did he have 11-12 pitch at bat and I mean he was just you have to give it credit to him, even though he finally struck out, just the way that he was able to extend Verlander there. And, you know, I mean, you get to see a lot more pitches. The batters behind you get to see pitches in the lineup. So uh, it, it was just one of those days that, you know, Verlander was just uh, missing a little bit at, at, at certain times. But overall, if you, you look at it, what he came out of there with and you look at some of the other great starters around baseball uh, and what they've been able to do here at the beginning of the postseason, uh, Chris Sell uh, obviously wasn't up to his usual standards. And so, I, I mean, I think overall, it's no, nothing to worry about uh, when you have this kind of a outing today. Any concern from a Major League Baseball network uh, standpoint that they went to more shots of Nolan Ryan in the crowd than Kate Upton? I mean, well, it's the MLB network. It's not Bravo network. It's not the <laughs> E network, too. So it's MLB network. So Nolan Ryan has some pretty big. There are some Hall of Famers that were right behind. Uh, the Astros had good attendance of Hall of Famers. They definitely had been at Bay Park with Nolan Ryan. And then we saw Jeff Bagwell stroll in, who, of course, made the Hall of Fame earlier this year. And, and, and Craig Biggio was there as well. So, yeah, very well represented with uh, the bus in, in Cooperstown. I guess the Astros have so many good players that uh, they, you, you forget that I think the rest of baseball is kind of playing catch up. I saw both Harold Reynolds and Al Leiter 
pronouncing Alex Bregman as Alex Bergman instead. So uh, it's it's pretty good when you just got so many great players that hey n- nobody even knows them at this point. Uh, Are you talking about because of Jeff Lou now has the way he's constructed the roster with Yuli Gariel and all these others that we have on there? No, I'm just kidding, but. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Alex Bregman, though, because his at-bat was very important there. Uh, I know Altuve, they hit the back-to-back homers in the first inning, but just getting that first run on the scoreboard, that gives kind of a relief to the whole team. Many times when you're the first team to score, we know that your probability, your your success, uh, has you have a greater chance of winning that ball game. So, again, for him to come out on sale, get that early lead for the Astros, kind of take the pressure off the offense, too. And then Jose Altuve, of course, to follow it with his with the back-to-back home run and then have the other home runs that pretty much broke the game open for the Astros. You have to, uh, again, like not forget that uh, Bregman was the first one to really put hit, uh, a run on the board and get the Astros going. So, yeah, Alex Bregman, no relation to Dave Bergman that's a different guy is it that's what you're telling me I think right and he a former Astro Dave Bergman yeah Dave the late Dave Bergman and he also had a lot of success with the Tigers of course winning on their 1984 team but uh yeah he was with the Astros before that hey we talked about it all year long RG the back of the order for the Astros has been really good it's such a deep order when Brian McCann can pick up a two-run signal there back in the, what is he, what was he, the eighth or the ninth spot? That back of the order was doing things for you. It wasn't just Altulve. I mean, sure, Altulve had three home runs, but uh, you, you got some help everywhere. And, and this lineup, we talked about it all year. I mean, just so deep, so deadly. Uh, this is the formula for the Astros, really. Jump out, use that offense uh, that they can just throw up runs without any sort of effort, a home run here, a double there. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez with the huge hit in this one uh, that that to me that might have been the biggest hit of the game outside of just what Altuve did Altuve has a singular accomplishment but I'm I'm in agreement with you that was the key play of the game that was a key hit of the game uh, the game was tied at that point and that two run single puts the Astros up four to two it gives them again some breathing room it separates them they regain the lead so again that was just that was just huge and from then, you know, the Astros offense, as it's done for much of the season, uh, explosive, and they end up scoring eight runs total. But I would agree with you. We were talking about this before. Remember when we were doing the pregame show? People haven't listened to that. Go back and listen to it. We had Ellen Drellick on with us. And essentially, we were talking about an X factor in the series being um, Marwin Gonzalez. And Marwin Gonzalez, again, proved he was, uh, you know, it's, Kind of saying, not saying to anybody who's watched a team all, all year long that this is something unusual, that Marwin Gonzalez would be the Astros MVP. We, we know that uh, Jose Con- uh, Altuve is in contention for the uh, AL MVP, but the way that he's just come up clutch, been able to play so many different positions and fill in for the Astros and have an extraordinary year, and for him to do this again in the playoffs. And conversely, we were also talking about Eduardo Nunez with the Red Red Sox, and unfortunately on his very first play, knee injury, it looked pretty serious there, and he had to be carted off the field. Then Hanley Ramirez came in, and as things often go, he ended up getting a couple of key hits in the ball game, and he wasn't even supposed to be in the ball game. So it just kind of funny how those things kind of work out. You mentioned the Nunez thing. Remind me to go back to that because there's a little thing I want to say on that. But I want to go back to what you were talking about with Marwin Gonzalez. And that whole play, that run scored was all set up 
by an instant replay that went in a Houston team's favor. And and finally, there is instant replay. So we don't have to worry about Mike Renfro not <laughs> making the catch. We don't have to worry about the triple play that was it was that was it the triple play that wasn't or the triple play that was i'm trying to remember from the uh, 80 80 uh, nlcs rg uh, do you remember that one the the, the famous Vern rule uh i think that was the, the should have been a triple play or something like that but they're, they're, we've seen it throughout houston sports history and and they finally got one of those that went in their favor and you know i just i have such confidence in astros hitters like i've never had confidence before uh, even in the playoffs, they're just they're such professional hitters, and as good as these pitchers are, uh, the Astros hitters I think can can they're up to that challenge. And then we got to mention that Chris Sale does not look like the Chris Sale as they mentioned the, throughout the broadcast of all through the season, and they're talking about and, and I think it was you know great commentary, great stuff uh, from the guys on MLB Network. Uh, Jim Cott was talking about how his his arm angle was down. He, he said with the the slider curveball. It wasn't in the same place that it was earlier in the season, and that really helped the Astros, especially on on some of those home runs. And, and well, even you saw that right off the bat with Alex Bregman. I mean, that slider just kind of hung up in the zone, and he crushed it. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it, it, you got to say that uh, it's good news that the Astros beat up on Chris Sale. The Astros, you know, scored runs like we knew they could. They took care of business in, in Game One, which is always a big game in a five-game series. It's a huge game. No, yeah. Ke- no Kevin Brown that's going to come out of mothballs <laughs> at this point. When you look at it, too, it's like the Astros. I mean, again, they pretty much have to step on the Red Sox throat while they have them there because they don't want to go back to Fenway with a split. So again, this is still a huge start uh, on Friday for Dallas Keuchel and the Astros, you know, of course, could they could they come back and win in four and five if they lose the game two? But you don't want to kind of surrender your home field advantage. Plus, you you would know going into the series in Boston, AJ Finch has excuse me, AJ Hinch hasn't said for his rotation yet what he would be doing for his game three or game four starters. Well, if the Astros all of a sudden maybe lose game two, then you have to think about bringing Justin Verlander back for a game four if it's potentially elimination game. So again, this is a huge a huge game for for the Astros, but. But also, if you just look at with the the Red Sox, what they're going to have to do for their series, they've already announced they're going to have you know Doug Fister starting Game Three. I know he's had postseason success, but he's not somebody that throws the fear of God in you as, as somebody like a, a Chris Sale does, for instance, or you know a Max Scherzer or somebody like that. So you 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 definitely feel that like the Astros have an advantage here, and even getting. An important thing to note here today too with this lead is they were able to get guys like Will Harris in the game. They were able to get Joe Musgrove. Uh, they were able to get some work for Chris Devensky. And, you know, all these guys, uh, you know, a couple of them, they haven't had uh, postseason experience ever, ever. So with Justin Verlander being able to go six innings, you get him out with only 99 pitches. So if you do need to bring him back for a game four or game five, he didn't have to overexert himself today with 120, 130 pitches where you're pretty much thinking, well, he probably we want to say we want to save him for game five. You still have that option. Plus, you're able to put some relievers in, give them some postseason experience so that they're not awed by the bright lights uh, coming out either in game two, game three, the rest of the series in the ALDS. Yeah. That, but the big thing for Davinsky and Musgrove is not only did they get a chance to pitch in their first postseason, but they got one, two, three innings. So yeah, that, that was great for them. You didn't have to use Ken Giles in the first game. Verlander didn't go as long as you would hope that maybe he would have gone, 
But I, I guess, yeah, it's good that you were able to get those guys out there with uh, not, not really a stressful situation. So, so that was a positive. I, I told you I wanted to go back to Nunez because, to me, that was almost bad news for the Astros that he's out because now they're going to bring off uh, their inactive roster, Chris Young. And RG, uh, I remember you interviewed Chris Young for this show just like a couple of years ago. And Chris Young just beats the crap out of the Astros. He's got like a 950 OPS in his career against the Astros. The Bel Air product is dangerous. That, that scares me. I'm, I'm hoping the Red Sox don't figure it out and don't put him in the regular lineup. Well, but you have to look at who their outfielders are regularly. Are they going to take him out for Mookie Betts, who was basically uh, almost the MVP of the league last year and still one of the, the better hitters in the game? Are they going to take him out for Andrew Benatendi, who could be the who could have been the rookie of the year, if not for Aaron Judge and Jackie Bradley? I mean, you see what kind of center field he plays, what kind of hitter he is. And then are you going to say Chris Young or Hanley Ramirez as your DH? So. It's more of like he's he's somebody, yeah, I mean, he's been an Astro killer over his career, but I think he'd him more as a, in a pinch hitting role at this point. I mean, maybe he gets a start in there somewhere if you want to switch around. Uh, John Farrell wants to do that, but uh, I'm, I'm not looking at that. I, I really think that it's going to be, especially the way that Hanley Ramirez picked up a couple of hits and uh, is a, a natural born hitter. You're probably going to leave him in the lineup and not use uh, Chris Young. They are, I mean, again, they already have great outfield defense. I already hate. Ben Attendee, he he reminds me of uh, the guy that we traded, Aoki. He's just going to just kill those at-bats where you just – he wastes so many pitches and he makes your pitcher work so hard. He was – he was making Verlander work more than any other guy and, and was just bugging the hell out of me. You know, the Red Sox have had that throughout their career. I mean, David Ortiz was there. Dustin Pedroia is another one. You know, you have like now, uh, again, what you're saying with Andrew Benatendi. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, they're going to work deep counts. They're going to foul off pitches. And part of it's, you know, the the old money ball strategy, too, where, you know, you get the starting pitcher out of there by the sixth or seventh inning and go to the bullpen. We know with the Astros, the the weaker part of the team, is going has been you know you can say I mean the bullpen's above average but I'm saying you have a greater probability of success probably knocking out a Verlander or a Keuchel and going to a you know somebody that might be like a Francisco Liriano coming in or uh, you know we've seen some of that with Luke Gregerson or whomever I mean I know that they want to stretch the game out as long as possible and and now you might even be seeing a, a you know Lance McCullers in there a Brad Peacock. And that's going to be interesting to me again in game two. How deep can Dallas Keuchel go in the game? Because A.J. Hintz said in game one, all hands on deck. And that meant that, you know, McCullers could come in, Peacock could come in, you know, Morton could come in. And that could kind of affect, you'll kind of get a picture or see, you know, in a game one, you could still start somebody conceivably, you know, today being a, a, a Thursday, you know, you could still conceivably start somebody on three days rest on a on a Monday on game four for Boston. So tomorrow will be a little bit different if somebody comes in the game that might give you an inkling of kind of what they're thinking of like who they want in the bullpen for those games over the games three and four with potentially with boston but hopefully the astros now that they've got game one uh they can go ahead and you know sweep the red sox that would be that would be sweet to sweep them in three colin McHugh not on the roster no surprise to us, really, huh? I don't think so. We discussed this before. He he didn't pitch a lot of the season for the Astros. And then you just have to look at, like, the Astros are already having problems deciding who would the other pitchers be behind Verlander and Keuchel. Now, if Keuchel, I mean, if, excuse me, if the Verlander trade hadn't have happened, I mean, just think what the Astros would be right now. They'd still, 
they'd be looking at, okay, you know, definitely Lance McCullers has to start one of the games because he's one of the Astros' best arms. Then you're you're probably putting Peacock in there. You're maybe thinking, or Peacock or Morton. Then you're thinking, well, maybe we'll need Colin McEwen be in the bullpen. But he almost essentially became a luxury when Justin Verlander came in, cemented that ace position with the Astros and his co-ace being Dallas Keuchel. And now these other guys, it's much easier for them to switch back and forth to the bullpen. You know, Lance McCullers has the electric stuff. Uh, he hasn't pitched out of the bullpen, but you could just see that with his fastball, the way he can get it up to 97, 98 miles per hour and that curveball that's a, a wicked pitch of his. Then you have somebody like like uh, Charlie Morton who can come in and, you know, again, throw his fastball or, or use his sinker. And then you have somebody... Again, like uh, Brad Peacock, who's been able to use all his different pitches. He's got a much improved slider. So it's like you have those guys that can come in and, and they can either start or relieve. And so with Colin McHugh, I, I mean, he's going to still stay ready, I would assume, with the Astros. Because like I said, you can reset your rosters. You never know what might happen if somebody tweaks something, if somebody in the bullpen's ineffective, if, if one of the guys just doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, we've had we've seen already with Lance McCullers. I mean, hopefully not, that nothing happens to him, but he's had some injury problems this season. So it's no guarantee, you, you know, he's going to have to be ready. And, and, you know, at least he got in these starts in September. And just, again, all hands on deck. You got to evaluate it after each series and see how best compose the roster. Well, it was good to see Bob Costas getting excited about seeing a Colt 45s uh, jersey or hat or whatever it was. So that that was fun about this one. Any last thoughts before uh, we head to game two? Hopefully, hopefully you and I can do this again after game two. We're going to try to keep you guys a l- little bit up to date as the, as the series and as the postseason goes along. Have these little special shows. Uh, when we can. But uh, any last words, RG? Well, I mean, there are a few things still, I, I think, to hit on. And, and that's it. Some people might look at the fact that, you know, Correa and Springer had offers. And that just tells you how deep this lineup is. I mean, when you have somebody like Altuve hitting three home runs, uh, then we, as we discussed with Marwin Gonzalez and Brian McCann with their RBIs down at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. So it's again, there's still some potent guys. And and we remember how hot Carlos Correa was at the end of the season. He was the AL uh, player of the week for the last week of the season. So that's somebody that, uh, again, for the matchup uh, uh, the the next day against uh, Drew Pomerantz, look for Carlos Correa there. And and then also George Springer. I mean, these are guys that still, uh, you know, need to get their bats going in the postseason and and then also Springer made an incredible play defensively. So and it was nice to see a, a guy that came back who hadn't played. We were all wondering how he would do getting back into the lineup. And that's Josh Reddick. You know, he slaps a single there and up scoring a couple of runs. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, again, kind of a little spark plug in the lineup for the Astros. So uh, you, you always have to kind of like that. And uh, and for you, it keeps Cameron Mabin on the bench. So I, I know that you always talk about that. And anyway, that was kind of what, you know, seeing all those different guys in the lineup and how they were able to produce. And like you said, just the Astros lineup and what's going to happen here in the coming days. It's it's at least you always feel confident that this lineup can no matter whom they're facing. And, you know, they're still going to have some you know difficult pitchers if this series is extended or they go to the following series against the Cleveland Indians. But at least it's it's heartening to know that the, the offense is already responding in October. Good stuff. Uh, the Astros go up one game zero. But, but before I wrap up, just want to remind everybody, put up an interview earlier this week with Dale Robertson from the Houston Chronicle with the release of the Emma Stone and Steve Carell movie Battle of the Sexes. 
Uh, look back a little bit with Dale Robertson at the actual event. He covered the historic Astrodome tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Robertson also interviewed King the day after the match, talked to him about just developing a professional relationship with her and his thoughts on the movie itself because he he's seen the movie and had thoughts on its accuracy and how good it was, period. And uh, it was a fun conversation, just really great stuff because it's such a unique event to actually sports history, but obviously such an important event in Astrodome history and Houston history. So many of these really amazing stu- amazing events that happened uh, over the course of the Astrodome's history. So go check that out if you can. Astros win 8-2, to two, Game 1, our postseason show. The first one is over with. We hope that the next few that we do are just this happy. We'll talk to you later. For more interviews, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, or if you're an Android user, download our free Houston Sports Talk app in the Google Play Store. We're also available on Stitcher or the TuneIn app, and our website is HoustonSportsTalk.net.